forever, hopefully forever changes their life. And um, so what we did was last week we had to first figure out in session, the first 30 minutes we got to figure out why you don't have money. When you ask somebody for money, you're saying you don't have any. And we got to find out why you don't have money. Um, it would make me feel really good if y'all could remember the three principles from last Sunday. It would make me think that you are very wise if you could remember principle number one, which was don't be, don't be dumb. Uh, you can't, if you're doing something dumb financially, I need to know about it. You need to be honest and you need to repent for it. If you come to me and say, hey, I've been dumb. I spent money on drugs and I don't want to do that and I want to get my life in order, I'll help you. If you say, I, sh I shouldn't have bought this car. It was too expensive. I should have got a cheaper one. I'll help you. But if you don't know what you're doing that's dumb financially, then no matter how much money I give you, you're going to be poor again because you're going to keep doing that same thing you're doing. Um, it would make me very happy if you would tell me what that principle number two was don't be emotional. I gave you a hint and even said happy. Emotional. Don't be an emotional spender. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. If you can't afford your electricity, don't buy your alcohol. If you can't afford your car payment, don't go out to eat. You have to understand you cannot spend more than you make and then need money. And then finally, I would realize that y'all really love Jesus and are very obedient to him. If you could tell me principle number three, which was don't be disobedient. you got to have God's blessing on your finances. So the reason that it's so important to find out why you don't have money is because if you go in any Walmart, Anywhere in Horry County, even the 501 Walmart, which that's like an R-rated Walmart, you know? I mean, you don't have to go to a strip club. Just go to 501 Walmart. <laughs> anyway, I'll edit that out. But so if you go in any Walmart, everybody in Walmart has money. Everyone. Nobody walks through the doors of Walmart unless they at least have $5 on them to spend. So if everybody in Walmart has money and you don't have money, could it be that you're being deceived somehow? Could it be that you are under some kind of deception where you just don't... Why, you're asking your parents for money or your pastor for money or your, this person if you can borrow money, but yet everybody in Walmart, everybody, atheist, Buddhist, agnostic, they all got money in Walmart, and you're a child of God. Why don't you have any money? So it's very important to figure out why you don't have money. When people come and sit down with me, one of the, and I hate to tell them my secrets, but here's one of them. When they sit down with me and they say, I need money, I'll first go on their Facebook page with them, and I'll say, look at the last two weeks. In this picture, you're holding an adult beverage. Who, pay, who paid for that adult? Who bought that adult beverage? Did somebody buy it for you? And they say, oh yeah, somebody bought it for me. I said, okay. In this picture, you're in a club. How much did it cost to get inside that club? Because you're asking me for money for an electric bill, and you went clubbing. Was it locals night and free? Oh, yeah, it was locals night and free. Okay, okay, okay. In this picture, you're in a restaurant, and you're eating, and you even got a girl with you. You're on a date. And they say, well, I had to, I had to go on a date. No, you don't. If you don't have any money for your electric bill, nobody wants to date you or marry you, okay? <laughs> So you are wasting money on that girl right there. You unfacebook her, and you pay your electric bill. You want a date? You don't, you don't want her to be a problem? Let's message her right now and tell her you're sitting with me asking for money and see if she wants to, she wants to date you. So, so you got to find out why you don't have money, okay? Wait, now, before we get into sermon number two, I want to read you a Bible story. It's about Peter and John. Peter and John are very godly men, very spiritually mature they are the top dogs of their area. Everybody say top dogs. Top dogs. These, if you want to get some wisdom, let's see what Peter and John did in this situation. They were going to church to pray one day, 
And in Acts 3 verse 2 it says there was a man crippled who was carried every day to the sanctuary to beg for money from the gullible, emotionally driven, and guilt-stricken people who went in the temple. Here's one point. He had his friends carry him. He said, listen, don't carry me to Walmart. Don't carry me to the mall. Don't carry me to the supermarket. Take me to a church. Because if I can get money out of somebody, I'm going to go to a church and get money. Man, they're so guilty. All I got to do is give them a sob story. They'll hand me money. All I got to do is just tell them I'm in need. And I'll, I'll bother them and they'll just do, give me money. Just to get me out of their hair, they'll give me money. Take me to the church. And so Peter and John were walking by. And I wonder how they handled this man. In Acts 3.6, they said this. We have no money for you. We got money. You know, Jesus wasn't poor. Jesus had a treasure with him everywhere. He had to have a treasure. That's how much money he had coming in. His clothes were so nice they gambled for his clothes. Peter and John had money. But they said, we have no money for you. But here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, I order you to rise up and walk. The Bible says the man went walking and leaping and praising God. Here's my point. How many times in life have we given somebody something they wanted rather than giving them what they really needed? They said they need to get married, and you find out they didn't need to get married. They needed to learn how to live by themselves a little bit. They said they needed the, a, a pet. They didn't need a pet. They needed to be able to take care of what they had already. They needed money. They didn't need money. They needed a job. They needed Jesus. They needed something, but they didn't need what it was they're asking for. And we're lazy Christians a lot of times when we just give people whatever they ask for, then really sit down and pray with them and talk to them and find out what is really going on in your life. So Peter and John didn't just hand out money like it was going out of style. And a lot of people think this. They say, John Paul, God will bless me anyway if I give. If I give, God will bless me. That is so ignorant. Well, the Bible says to give, you're right. But you've got to take the Bible and the whole... You can't take one scripture. That's like taking one text from my phone and thinking you know me. You've got to take the whole Bible as a whole. And God is a God of wisdom. Let me prove to you. If you give somebody drugs, will God bless you? Hey, it's giving. Hey, the Bible says to give. If you give a drug dealer money, will God bless you? Well, the Bible says to give. No. So just because somebody asks for money or you think they need money doesn't mean that's what it is. It's our responsibility to take time and energy and find out what area of Bible do they need, what area of Jesus do they need, okay? So we had three principles last Sunday. And last Sunday was, why don't you have money? This Sunday, we got to figure out this. How do we get you money? we got to be able to get you money. Because everybody that has money did something to get money. And not everybody asked for money. They did something that got them money. Somehow money ended up in their bank account. Somehow when they went into Walmart, they recognized they had some cash in their pocket or something on their debit card. Some, some, they did something. And when I tell you principle number four, you're going to pass out. You're going to be like, oh, this is so deep. I just got a revelation. I can't even believe God is so deep and wise to come up with this way to how to get money. I, it's just it's going to blow your mind. You ready to have your mind blown? <sighs> ready? That's from those Altoids y'all been buying me in my office all week. <laughs> Principle. There's <laughs> something blue in here. What in God? Principle number four. Ready? Don't be lazy or do work hard. People rarely call me up and say, John Paul, is there any work I can do? They don't say that. They say this, do you have any money for me? I need some money. They don't say I need work. They say I need money. Here's why that just blows my mind, because this. We know that everything good in life and anything good in life requires hard work. 
If you want a good marriage, it requires you to work hard. If you want an incredibly uh, muscular bod like myself, it requires you to work hard. If you want good friendships and relationships, it requires you to work hard. You got to learn how to forgive. You got to learn how to affirm. You got to learn how to spend your time wisely with your family versus your friendships. It requires hard work. So, how come we're under this deception that all these things in life require hard work except for getting money? All I got to do is just ask and I get that. Isn't that just, isn't that crazy? Uh, all I got to do is ask and they give me money. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything else in life requires hard work. How come one of the greatest commodities that God ever created, gold, silver, money, how come that that's something you don't have to work hard for, but everything else in life you do got to work hard for? Proverbs 10.4 says, Being lazy will make you poor, but the hard work will make you rich. If you want a sermon on how to be poor, I can preach that. Here's all you got to do. Just be lazy. You want poor health? Be lazy in what you feed yourself and, and your work and, and, and your, your um, exercise. If you want um, to be poor in your marriage, be lazy in your marriage. If you want to be poor in your relationships, be lazy. And if you want to be poor in your bank account, just be lazy. Because the people that you're asking money from, your parents that you're asking money from, they worked hard for their money, and now you don't want to do what they did? You want to just ask for it? When you ask that person for money, what if they went and said, I don't have it, but let me go ask somebody else. And they said, I don't have it, let me go ask somebody. And just kept on going around, then back to you. Somebody in that circle is going to have to work hard. Let me ask you a mathematical question, and I realize that some of y'all went to Myrtle Beach High School, so I'll talk very slowly during this question, okay? <laughs> what is more, $8 an hour or $0 an hour? Are you sure? Do you need to pull out your calculator and find out? So you're telling me that you would have more if you worked for $8 an hour than if you worked for zero dollars an hour. You're telling me you'd have more if you did that? Well, then why don't you go out and work for eight? Well, I don't want that job. Let me ask you a spiritual question. What can God Almighty reward? A job that you work hard at that you don't like or that the boss talks down to you or you don't like what they ask you to do or a job that you don't have? Which one can God reward? I mean, which can God promote you in any area of work if you ain't working? Then what's it? You think God's just going to magically just put CEO next to your name and you don't have a job? If you want God to reward you, you got to do what the Bible says to do. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, remember, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you have a grown child living at home, stop feeding them unless they have a job or work hard. Put a lock on your refrigerator. You say, my, my child will starve if I do that. I promise, when your child gets down to 65 pounds, they'll get a job. They will get a job. They will get a job. <laughs> um, where am I at? What am I talking about? Okay, so let me tell you Let me tell you who some of the laziest people are I've come in contact with. Now, don't guess or you'll offend somebody around you, okay? I'm going to tell you, and I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this. Not from y'all, but from people. Y'all are extra excited now. You're like, ooh, hate mail. This, this is going to be good. This is going to be real good. I can't wait to see. Some of the laziest people I've ever met are pastors. I mean, they are so stinking lazy sometimes. I'm spiritual people. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of me if you work, He will. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to teach me if you sit under a teacher, He will. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. What in the, what do you mean the Holy Spirit's going to do what? Just make it, you don't, you're telling me 
You don't have to do what the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit's just going to take care of you. That's what you're telling me? I, um, over the years, we've helped a lot of pastors because um, when I first started pastoring, nobody helped me. I had to work four other jobs, working at four other churches until we grew to where I could be here full time. And, um, and, and as a side note, the one thing that I have no financial say in at this church is my salary. The trustees do that, and every year that I've ever pastored, they've asked me to take more money than what I do. They've asked to pay me more than what I actually get paid. So I've never even um, asked for what they want me to have. Either way, so there are churches where pastors work hard and they don't get paid right. So we have helped them. We'll give those pastors money. And, you know, I remember one time, instead of me going on vacation, we'd send another pastor on vacation just to help them. And so I've had pastors call me over the years, and some of them are lazy as I can't even imagine. One guy called me about a year ago, needs some help. I said, okay. I said, I have a, a pressure washer in my house. I said, I'll give you $100 to pressure wash my house. It'll take you a few hours to do that tomorrow. And uh, first he this, oh, pastor, I can't do that. He said, I'm in full-time ministry. God told me to be in full-time ministry. I said, well, why aren't you getting paid? Oh, our church isn't big enough to pay me. I said, let me tell you what full-time ministry. First of all, full-time ministry is not in the Bible anywhere. That's the first thing. Second of all, is every member of my church that has a job, they're in full-time ministry. Let me tell you what full-time ministry is. It's when you work hard and you're good to people, you serve others, you use excellence, faithfulness, you stick to it, you have integrity, and you get paid to do it. If you are flipping fries at McDonald's with the best attitude of anybody there, shining your light for Jesus, you're in full-time ministry. And you're getting paid to do it. And I said, if everybody at your job cusses like a sailor and they're into satanic stuff and they love the devil, you're in the perfect place of ministry because you're going to be able to preach to them better than I ever could from this pulpit. Your work ethic and your life and integrity will preach a sermon to them I could never preach. You're in full If you have a job, you're in full-time ministry. And, um, and, and I said, listen, I said, tomorrow come to my house, pressure wash, I'll give you 100 bucks. And he said this, Pastor, tomorrow is my day of prayer. I can't work tomorrow. I said, buddy, I got something that will help both of us. I got about 10 things I need prayer for. I will give you that list, and while you're pressure washing my house, you can cry out to God, and when you're getting down at the bottom of the cracks, you can get on your knees and spray that part and just pray to God. And then after you're done, I'll give you 100 bucks, and he wouldn't do it. God cannot bless laziness. God is not a lazy God. He does not promote lazy people. Um, if you lost your job today, you should have another job by tomorrow, unless you're financially okay. Unless you're financially okay, before you go ask somebody for money, if you don't have a job today, if you lost your job today and you're in need, you better have a job tomorrow. Here's how you get a job. You park your car somewhere in Myrtle Beach and you start walking. And you don't come back to your car until you have a job. And you go to every business and you say this, I'll be the greatest employee you've ever had. I'll work harder than anybody has ever worked. I'll have more integrity. I will clean the bathrooms with a toothbrush if I have to. You can pay me anything you want to pay me. I'll be the best worker you have. And if you go in 100 businesses, you'll have a job. Now, while you're at that job, you work hard, you honor God. And when you're not on the clock, you apply at other places that pay more and that you want to work at. But if you don't have something for God to, to start you off with, you're not going to have anywhere to go. And if you sit at home waiting for the perfect job, you'll never have a job. Now, the scriptures we've been going over talk about hard work. And, and, and principle number five and six, it's going to take me two minutes. My whole sermon is this. The, the scriptures we read didn't say get a job. They said hard work, okay? I'm implying to get a job. But if you can't get a job, listen real close, you can still work hard. If you're handicapped, you can still work hard. If you're in second grade, you can work hard. If you are retired, retirement's not in the Bible, by the way. You may retire from a job, but don't retire from life. 
Because once you stop working, you start dying. We all need a reason to get up every day. And our reason, it may be flipping fries, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is there's somebody there that needs Jesus. That's the real reason. You're alive, there's breath in your body because God has something for you to do. Whether you're getting paid $20 an hour, $5 an hour, the source isn't the job, the source is God. And if God's the source, then no matter where we're at, even if we're in prison like Joseph and we're doing our best, God will promote us. Wherever you're at, you should be working hard. Once you start working, you start dying. And once you start dying, you're sitting at home eating Briar's ice cream with the things closed, watching Honey Boo Boo and Myrtle Manor. Over and over again, <laughs> that's not good for you. <laughs> Whatever that's about, I don't know what that's about. Okay, so um, one time Peter didn't have money to pay taxes. Y'all remember that story? Peter, now, Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. Listen real close. If you got your Bibles, you can get ready. It's going to be in Matthew 17. Get ready. Peter didn't have money to pay his taxes. Jesus told Peter in the beginning, leave everything you have, follow me, and I will take care of you. Did Jesus say, Peter, I'll take care of you? Yes. Did Jesus say, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Did Jesus say, I am your source for everything? Yes. Okay. When Peter didn't have enough money to pay his taxes, I want to read it to you, and then I, I want you to get it. I want you to just get it without me even saying anything. Matthew 17, 27, Jesus said, Peter, go cast a line into the lake. And take the first fish that hooks, open its mouth, and you'll find money. Do you see it? Do you see it? Jesus caused a fish to eat a gold coin, and he caused that particular fish to bite Peter's line, and he pulled it up, and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. If Jesus is this much of a miracle worker, why didn't Jesus say, Peter, you don't have money? Just reach in your pocket. And Peter's like, ooh, a gold coin. Why didn't Jesus say, Peter, remove your foot from the ground? And he looked at oh, a gold coin. Why did Jesus make him put a, fit, a, a line into the water? Here's why. Because working is a biblical principle. When you get to heaven, you're going to work. Uh, have you read the Bible where some people will be governors? Some people, there's jobs. You will not stop working when you, heaven is not retirement. Heaven is serving, 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 serving for the rest of your eternity. You're going to be working. God calls it serving, we call it working. But you're going to be working forever. Sorry to disappoint some of y'all. I'm going to hell, forget that. No. <laughs> One guy was a bad like, forget this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, listen. Here's the miracle. Here's the promotion is this. Is when Peter worked, then Jesus stepped in. And he said, you want promotion? You're not going to have to sit here for hours. You're not gonna, it's not gonna ruin, it's not gonna ruin your ministry. Listen, let me see what I'm gonna do. You just put the line in, I'll take care of the rest. And the fish with the gold coin bit the line, and Peter paid his tax. That's the promotion. That's the miracle. There are two ladies in the Old Testament that I want to tell you about Naomi and Ruth. <clears throat> Naomi and Ruth both had a circumstantial, situational thing take place in their life that made them poor. Remember last week we talked about relative poverty, which is where you think you don't have money, but in reality, you're just not spending it right, or you think that you deserve to be driving that Mercedes when you can't pay your electric bill or whatever. That's relative poverty. Situational circumstantial is a tragedy takes place in your life that was unforeseen and messed you up financially. And that happened to Naomi and Ruth, the same, same tragic event. Both of them, their husbands died. 
Both of them. Both of them had their world flipped, turned upside down. Both of them had something horrendous happen that devastated them. But they both handled it completely differently and got completely different results. Both of them went through something difficult. Both of them went through pain. Both of them went through agony. And Naomi handled it this way in Ruth chapter 1. Naomi went to Moab to search for somebody to provide for her. Naomi said, don't even call me Naomi, which means joy. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For God has dealt me a bitter blow and left me with nothing but the clothes on my back. I need money today. My electric getting turned off tomorrow. Do you want me to starve? You said you loved me. You're a pastor. You're supposed to be good to people. So there's three things I want you to see. Number one is this. Naomi had the strength to move, but she didn't have the strength to get a job. She wanted someone to take care of her. Number two, she blamed it all on God. God's the reason that the hurricane came. God's the reason the tsunami took it away. God's the reason my child died. God's the, God's at fault. When in reality, number one, we have an enemy named Satan that doesn't want us to fulfill our destiny. Number two, people have a free will, and they can hurt you and do things that cause you pain. Number three, life just happens sometimes. It just happens. But just because something bad took place yesterday doesn't mean tomorrow has to be ruined as well. The third thing I want you to see is she let life change her name. She let life change her name. And I can sit with people in financial counseling and in 30 seconds I can tell you if they're a victim or if they're a conqueror. If they're a victim, it's all about what happened and this person did me wrong and I can't believe how bad they upset me and all this happened now. Look at me, I have nothing left and that life's so bad. I can go on and on it goes. They let life change. And no matter how much money I give somebody, no matter how much encouragement or wisdom I throw at them, if they've allowed life to change their name, there's nothing I can do about it. They got to go back and forgive. They got to go back and let it go. You may have been abused, divorced, beaten. You may have lost a job. You loved a lot of money, but you don't have to lose tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. Today's a new day. You don't have to let what happened. That's the enemy's trick is to let life change your name. And what happened yesterday is going to determine the rest of your life. No, that's a lie from the devil. But if you allow that to happen, you will never receive the promotion that God has in store for you. We can pray for you, we can minister to you, but you'll never have what God wants if you let life change your name. Ruth handled things differently. Same circumstance. Chapter 2, Ruth did this. Each day Ruth picked up the leftover grain in a field from early morning until late, except when she sat down for a little while. I'm telling you, it was hard for her to get up out of bed after what happened. It was hard for her to have to get over whatever they dropped on the ground. Just barely enough is all she had. It was hard for her to work somewhere like McDonald's after she lost that great position she had at the Fortune 500 company. It was hard for her to move into the one-bedroom apartment. It was hard for her to miss out, but she wasn't going to miss out on the next day and the next day and the next day. So she got her butt up. She wiped her face off. She got out there and she worked. And here you got Naomi who's sitting at home watching TV, so sad, just waiting for somebody to call and encourage her. She stayed in bed all day and did nothing. And so Ruth has barely enough, barely enough, but she has something. Until the dude that owned the restaurant she was working at, the guy that owned the field she was gathering from, the, the CEO of the company she was working for stepped in and he noticed her. And he was so smitten by her, he told his employees, hey, you know that lady that comes and gets the leftovers? Leave her extra. 
Leave her extra French fries, extra Big Macs, extra Mac sauce, whatever. You just leave her whatever. And then she started gathering. She said, what's going on? I used to have barely enough. Now I have just enough. And just enough was coming to her. And one day she was at it. She was curious. Why does this guy Boaz that owns all this, why does he like me? Is it my curves? Is it my personality? Is it my long flowing hair? And she said to him in Ruth 10, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you should be so good to me? And Boaz said this, I've been made fully aware of everything you have done since that tragedy that took place in your life. I've been made fully aware of all the work you've done even when you didn't feel like working. And I'm attracted, here's this, I'm attracted to your work ethic. I'm attracted to your never get up, never give up attitude. I'm attracted to the fact that you know God's in charge, and no matter where you're at, as long as you're working hard, God can promote you. And in Ruth 4:13, Boaz married Ruth. She went from not enough, barely enough, to just enough, and now she owns it all. More than enough. Do you realize that you will attract what you are? If you're lazy or undisciplined in your finances. You're going to attract people just like that. So you better not be dating. You better not be getting married. If you, the one thing that destroys relationships and marriages is, is they're not on the same page financially. One wants to tithe, one doesn't. One wants to save, one wants to spend. you got to get on the same page. you got to get on God's page financially. Because whatever you are is what you're going to attract. If you're lazy, you're going to attract lazy. If you're, if you're undisciplined, you're going to attract undisciplined. But if you're preparing for promotion, you're going to attract promotion. If, if if a Fortune 500 company owner, CEO, went on your Facebook page, would they hire you just by the things you put out there in public? I hope that you live a life and you when you go apply for places, you dress the part and you put on all the perfume or, 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 or whatever you got to put on. You, you got Altoids, you put them all in your mouth. You do whatever you have to do to get that job. Now I'm going to give you a word and I'm going to get to point number five. Okay, here's my word for you today. You ready? Everybody ready? Say, oh yeah. Okay, if you want a Boaz, you cannot be a broke-ass. You cannot be a po-ass, a dumb-ass, a drunk-ass, a cheap-ass, a lazy-ass, a dirty-ass, a lying-ass, or a good-for-nothing-ass. And if that's you, Boaz ain't looking for your ass. Y'all can't see it, but I'm sweating underneath this right now. That took a lot of courage right there. It took a lot of courage. <laughs> Dirty ass, you. Lazy ass. Pastor's talking to you. That word was for you right there. Good for nothing ass. <laughs> Somebody in the fellowship hall after the first service told me that was a kick-ass sermon today. <laughs> Okay, principle five, and we're going to be done. Ready? Two more, real quick. This is only going to take two minutes, okay? Principle five, got to write it down. Don't be dishonest. you got to work with integrity. Let me explain this to you. If you get to work ten minutes late, don't expect to get paid for those ten minutes, okay? If you get to work and you take seven smoke breaks every hour, don't expect to get paid for that. If you get to work and when the boss leaves, you're playing on your phone, don't expect promotion. you got to be an honest person. Luke 19, 17 says, Well done, excellent servant. Because you've been faithful with little, I'll put you in charge of much. If you're here today and all you got is little, you're in the perfect position to be in charge of much. If all you have is minimum wage, 
If you feel like I'm just a stay-at-home mom, I don't have much. Listen, stay-at-home mom is a hard-working job. You be faithful with that stay-at-home mom with those kids. And I promise you, when you're faithful with little, God will put you in charge of much. If you're not being faithful with the little you already have, why should God give you more to not be faithful with? I've told you a lot of stories that were, some were negative. Let me give you a good positive story. Out of the 100 people that call for, for money every two months or so, about 100 people, 10 of those will actually meet with me and sit down. After that one hour, $20 an hour, only one of those 10 of those 100 will actually continue through the process that I have with them. At the beginning of this year, a guy messaged me on Facebook, and I get, it, I get 15 a week, and he said this, though. He said this. He said, I need some work. He said, I'll do anything you want me to do, anything. He said, um, if I don't know how to do what you need, I will figure it out. I said, i got to meet this guy. So I said, be at church, 9 o'clock, 1, 8. So I show up at, at quarter to 9, and he's getting off the bus. So I, I greet him. I say, why are you taking the bus? I don't have any transportation. I said, okay. And we talked. I said, where do you stay at? He said, I stay in North Myrtle Beach. And it took me an hour and a half to get here, but I'm ready to work. I said, we're not going to work. First, we're going to sit down and just talk a little bit and hang out. Went over some financial counseling. He wrote down every point. He took pictures of it with his phone. He said, I got it. I'm going to do it. As we sat down, I discovered this. He has a wife who's pregnant with their second child. They have one child. She's pregnant with the second one. And they're living in a hotel room. I said, why don't you have money? He said, I was on drugs really bad. My wife was too. And he said, we wanted to get away from that. We moved away from everybody we knew, all our family and all, to start over. We've been, we've been clean. We're not addicted to drugs. We want to get our life in order. I said, man, I'm excited. Gave him $10 an hour. I said, listen, I'm going to pay you for five hours work. Here's what I need you. I told him, here's what you do. It's going to take you five hours. I'm paying you by the hour. Five hours of work, $10. I have security cameras here around the church so I can look at things on my phone. A lot of times when I do this with people, I, at the time I leave, they sit down, play on their phone, do their thing. So I come back an hour, give them 10 bucks, and they're done. And they cuss me out and all that other stuff too. But anyway, and so this guy, I looked on the security cameras. What was supposed to take him five hours, he did it in two hours. I come back and I say, you know, I'm paying you by the hour. I said, you work. So he said, I'm just a hard worker. I just got a hard work. I said, okay. I said, um, let me give you this. And I said, I'm going to pay you $12 an hour now. So I gave him another job. He was working like he was three men. He was working he, like he was the pastor of the whole place. The next day, I paid him $15 an hour. I did not want this guy to get a job somewhere. I wanted to keep him for myself. That's how, much he, that's how good he did. I got him up to $25 an hour, and we even bought him transportation. Finally, I said, you guys, I said, listen, I said, um, I, I should have brought him here today. I said, I, I said, um, I said, uh, you got to get a job now. So I said, I'll give you $5 for every job application you fill out and bring me proof that you filled it out. He filled out a bunch of job applications and um, we got him in a church, a Methodist church way up where he's at. And um, so I, he got a job. I didn't hear from him for a while. As I was working on these messages, I thought, I'm going to contact him, see what's going on. I go to his Facebook page and there's something on his Facebook page. I didn't even understand it. So I messaged him and I say, what is this ad you have on your Facebook page? He said, what do you mean? I said, what is this ad you got? He said, he said, I'm hiring people to work for me for $10 an hour. He said, do you need a job? I said, no, I don't need a job. <laughs> he got a job at a painting place, painting. He got, a, he got himself a, um, a pressure washer from Dick's Pawn Shop. And he started his own business, painting and pressure washing. He charges $20 an hour. He pays his three guys $10 an hour, pays himself $30 an hour to run his company, and him and his wife are doing great. Wow. Hard work. 
Excellence and integrity. Number six is this. Don't be disrespectful to your boss. Honor your boss. It's the last one. You say, my boss doesn't like me. I don't care. My boss doesn't treat me right. As long as it's not immoral or illegal, I don't care. Well, my employees, they're mean. I don't care. If your boss writes you a check, you work at that job, you honor that authority until you have another job. You can quit after you got yourself another job, but don't come to me and say, my boss cussed at me, so I quit. Or they didn't like, they asked me to come in five minutes early, and I just can't do that. Romans 13.1, obey those who have authority over you, for no authority can exist without God's permission. I don't quite understand this scripture, but I know it this. God will always honor somebody who honors those over them. If you want God to honor you, you've got to honor the fallible people that you work for, because nobody's perfect. And if you will do this, number one, if you will not be dumb financially, if you will not be undisciplined, if you will not be disobedient, if you will work hard, if you will use integrity, and if you will honor your authority figures, I can promise you, you will never have a problem financially for the rest of your life. Amen.